This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. The Bears are home Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. They're getting three points after spitting the bit against the Vikings, even though they dominated them this past Sunday. Glad you're with me today. And if you've been with me for any number of years, you know that I am attracted to talking to offensive linemen. My 85 Bears are Hilgenberg, Thayer, Covert, Van Horn, and Bortz. Over the years, that's not changed. This year, we previewed the Lions season with Lomas Brown. I've had Mark Schlereth on. I like the big guys from the trenches, and that's why we preview Bears and Raiders and talk about the Raiders and their franchise history with Lincoln Kennedy. He was drafted originally by the Falcons, a first-rounder in the early 90s, but he is best known as a Raider. Link does their radio games for the last few years, and he's been with Fox Sports. He does college football as well. Big 72, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for the time. We got a barn burner coming, especially if there are backups playing quarterback both deep Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, first of all, it's good to be with you. Secondly, yeah, it, it's been a try for the Raiders. I mean, th- until this past game, that was the first time they got over 20 points in the, in the, in the, in the season, uh, in a game. And more importantly, it happened that the behest of the defense was a safety by Max Crosby and, and crew. So, you know, it's offensive prowess is not what we're looking at for these two teams coming up this weekend. You know, as I was thinking about things I wanted to talk with you about today, it's uh, younger football fans. I, I don't think they get what the Raiders are all about. You take a 21 year old kid who's, who's going out to bars for the first time in his life and spending money on wagers. He has no idea about the Raiders I grew up with or or your teams, your Super Bowl team that played 20-some years ago, early 21 years ago and lost to the Bucks in the Super Bowl. And that toughness, that every year in your faceness about the silver and black seems to have faded, especially with the geographical change. Am I wrong? Well, it's probably a good thing if you think about it. I mean, the, the mantra of the Raiders or the mystique of the Raiders – you know, for what it's worth is being considered the bad boys in the National Football League. You know, it, it, it held its weight. It carried itself. But times have changed. The people have changed. If you think about it, the rivalries are no longer the way they used to be looked at. I mean, once upon a time, I hated playing every team in my division, you know, from Kansas City, Denver to the Chargers. And now it seems like when, after every game, you've got guys who are sitting down there chumming it up on the field, you know, handing out, exchanging jerseys, exchanging pleasantries. Look, that was never really the case back in my day. And that's so, you know, we're talking about two generations removed. That's where we are right now. The rivalries and sort of the overall imagery or the intimidational level, if you will, uh, from the Raiders, the mystique is no longer there. It's no longer present for a lot of teams, in my opinion. Do you oppose that camaraderie, that sharing of jerseys, that that closeness that didn't exist in an era gone by? 
Yes, it's not my it's not my top of my list of my level of things I would like to do. You know what I mean? So the thing is, is that I believe there's a time and place for everything. And to me, the pleasantries are when you exchange those types of, uh, you know, conversations or, hey, how's your family? How's your wife? And, you know, those types of things. Even if you went to school with one another, um, has it, there's a time and place for that. It's probably after the season's over. Let's find a way to get together. It's not during the heat of battle. I've never been one of those guys that want to do it during the heat of the battle. And even after the game, might be a little bit different when you take off the the, the uh, your helmets. But to understand the, the meaning of the rivalry, as a Raider, every team that we play gets up to play us. They look at us differently. We, I've had, heard coaches like it's Raiders week. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the record. We need to beat the Raiders. That's what teams have taken against us. As I'm sure you know, the same thing that goes on with the Bears up there in Chicago. But everybody has got their enemy. And so, therefore – the rivalries stay intact when you when you put that enemy in its place. The Raiders always have been very colorful, at least for a long time. Who were some of the guys when you got to Oakland? Uh, and you you have to it's like stadium names with the Raiders. You have to think about which years and which city yeah. they belong to. When you got to Oakland, who were the former Raiders who you kind of buddied up to, or guys who befriended you, who you came to know and respect and enjoy? Well, back then, there, you know, Jim Otto was always, Pops was always at practice. And, and he's, of course, one of the greatest, known as the greatest Raider of all times. Uh, but we had Willie, we had Willie B, Willie Brown, and Freddie Belitnikoff on, the, on the, the coaching staff when I first got there. So there were two all-time great Raiders right there that were all a part of the staff. But guys that kind of brought me in the fold, guys like Steve Wisniewski, Kevin Gogan, as well as Tim Brown on offense. And then when we got Rich, Rich, Rich Gannon and I, we kind of got close we kind of built over the years of, of creating a good football team, and that's why we had a good run. Uh, one quick Jim Otto story for you. I interviewed him one time, and he was bemoaning how today's players, and this is 25 years ago, uh, today's players don't play hurt. Hell, when I played by the end of my career, I didn't have any ACLUs. And I thought, <laughs> oh, Jim, you didn't have any ACLUs. With a name like Lincoln Kennedy, we object to that, right? <laughs> True story, right? <laughs> and uh, for, for my listeners and viewers on YouTube who don't know the story, Lincoln, not your birth name, but you were born on Feb 12, uh, I think 71. If yep. I remember the Wikipedia Correct. page I was looking at yesterday correctly. And your mom started calling you that, and it stuck, and you legally changed your name because you liked it. That's a cool story, man. Yeah, I mean, I had to, I had to perform an alias. You know, the interesting thing about my, my name is that when I got drafted, the Atlanta Falcons drafted me as Lincoln Kennedy. So the first check that they cut to me was my signing bonus. I couldn't even cash because there was no ID that said Lincoln Kennedy. And there was no bank that was going to honor a check that's, that size with just not having the right identification. So, yeah, it took me a while. I had to file with the Social Security Department to get my name changed as an alias, doing business as. And that's what I'm doing these days. <laughs> How much fun was it to work with Brent Musburger for a few years? Brent was wonderful. He really was. I mean, a legend. And 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 he reminded me, you know, no pun intended, but he reminded me of one of those grandfathers that you sit by a fireplace that just has stories like Al Davis did when I was used to hang around with Al. I mean, just have stories for decades and years. And I told I told Brent, I said, look, I said, when I was a kid, I had the you know biggest crutch on Jane Kennedy. And I was like, I was just thinking, yeah, Lincoln Kennedy, Jane Kennedy, it could be, it could be. But it didn't happen. It's all good. But Brent was good. Brent was good. <laughs> Did you ever have the conversation about him with him uh, about his commentary on the Olympic athletes with their fist in the air, black power, which was a dinosaurish thought 
that he had at the time in in 1972. I believe it was Munich. It might have been mm-hmm. Mexico City before it, but it doesn't matter. Um, I'd like to think he evolved over the years. Did you ever address that with him? Never addressed it with him, but like if he might have brought it up in, in passing in a conversation. I don't remember a specific conversation uh, dealing with that, but you know, I, I just had the utmost most respect for him. I, I like to give people a chance and believe they can unlearn things and mm-hmm. uh, and grow. Um, God, you know, my, my dad, I grew up in the outskirts of Chicago, northwest Indiana. He came up from Arkansas and brought with him a lot of southern ideals. Right. And it, it took some work when I became a college student to get him to mm-hmm. realize some things. But I'm glad I did. And, and John Gruden, it doesn't it doesn't appear he's ever going to work again. Do you think he he did? so much damage that it's that it's not reconcilable with black athletes or maybe all athletes i don't i don't think it's there i think if you got a chance to know john gruden like i i mean i said when i i was asked about it at the time i never heard gruden use any of those comments or make those type of sneers to where you're looking at him a little bit differently but when this information came out because we are in a um a a business that if it's bad for business it's bad for business you have to move on for it I do honestly think that Gruden will get another chance. Don't know what level it'll be. He's too sharp of a mind, and I know too many general managers slash presidents or whoever that would like to have him coaching their team or think that they they can put him over the top. So I think it'll definitely come back. I just don't know when. But, you know, it was very surprising to see how everything fell during that Gruden time because I, I didn't think that what he said 10 years ago was as egregious as people put it to be. But for the most part, you can't do that. You still can't do that because if you alienate from a few, there's a chance you can alienate for a bunch more. I hope you're right. I hope he does come back. The NFL is more interesting with him in it, whether he's on a sideline or with a head, set of headphones. Yeah, yeah. True story, Love true story. Work. Yeah. Um, you know, you hate re-racking from a coaching standpoint every couple of years. And in Chicago, we're already looking forward. I, I don't know if looking forward is the right thing. Christ, it's week seven only. But there's likely to be a change here, and I don't know how much rope Josh McDaniels has with, with your football team, but um, I mean, does the fan base want to see him get more time, or have they about had it up? Had oh, it up when it team? comes to the fan base, you know, the Ra- Raider Nation is extremely fickle. So when they, they want to win, they want to win now. There weren't too many people part of the Raider Nation that were proud of the fact that they were making it, it seemed like, New England West. Well, all the things they were doing for players and people they were bringing in. But like I've said to many Raider, Raider fans, if the Raiders went on a string and run one six Super Bowls, would you complain about the coaching staff? Would you complain about the general manager? Would you complain about the way they're th- doing things? Look, I don't think they're there yet, and it's still a process. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset a lot like Mark. I believe Mark Davis is. You can't fire Josh McDaniels. You've got to give him a chance. You've got to give him at least whatever happens to the days where you're given at least four years to see if you can turn things around. I think that's that's sort of the standard that you have to do to see whether or not you can do it or can't. I mean, the jury is still out. It's hard to catch lightning in a bottle. It's hard to have that new, impressive, young, phenomenal mind that comes in and does everything right and makes everything right. It's really hard to do that. And I've always been of the mindset that I don't want my coach to do too many things. And what I mean by that is I believe a head coach needs to, mo- to read the weight of the room, monitor the room rather than call plays. I've never liked my head coach calling plays on offense or defense. Because I think they have other things they need to worry about when it comes to that. To me, head coaches in the National Football League are managers. With that being said, you still have a lot of general managers. You still have a lot of team owners 
that want to catch lightning in a bottle and is trying to catch some of those prolific offensive-minded guys, bring them over to your team and see if they can work their magic there. It doesn't always work that way. You're a Jimmy Garoppolo guy, aren't you? Yeah, um, not a to- I'm not a huge fan. Of course, I cover the team, so I got to be a fan, but but I'm not a huge fan of it. Look, I thought when they got Jimmy G, I thought it was the right move for a free agent move because he was the most one of the most accurate quarterbacks out there. However, he has his limitations and he's fragile. So the offensive line was not paid much attention to, as much attention to as I would have liked for the for the Raiders. And and now we see you have the scars midway through the season. You've got a quarterback who's down for an unlimited amount of time, and you're having to go to a backup. You like what you've seen so far from the rookie, Aiden O'Connell? I loved him at Purdue. You know what? He's come out pretty strong, especially in preseason. But that first start that he had against the Chargers should have made him aware of what the NFL, the true NFL speed is. Not preseason, not practice. He's got to speed up his internal clock and get rid of that football sooner. We're visiting with Lincoln Kennedy, does Raiders Radio, has been doing it for a number of years. You can follow him on Twitter at LKennedy72. Reminder, quickly get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet 10 bucks in same-game parlays with the squares icon to earn a square. Um, I propose a new part of the next CBA that has special language for running backs who are being treated like part of the gear. And Josh Jacobs is one of those guys. I love to watch play the way the position has evolved to these guys being fungible. I think they need to reduce the number of years on that first deal before a running back can become a free agent. Is that a fair compromise? Would that be something owners would go for? Probably not because the NFL is, is controlled. Their, their salary structure is well controlled and in place for a reason. You know, I understand the, the, the problems that running backs have and feeling that being undervalued. But I would just say this. We've evolved to a system, most systems, that are more running back by committee than ISO running back formulated or situated. And though I think your top running back should be the top paid in that, in that, in that room, that, that, that running back room, it's hard to quantify the true value because we've seen guys get hurt. And, and as you mentioned earlier, the difference between injured, being injured and being hurt is only such a slight, small grade, but most guys haven't necessarily been able to figure it out. It's something I've been trying to teach my kids. You have to understand there's a difference between being injured where you can't go and being hurt because this is a physical game. You're going to play with pain. So a long, sort of a long route way to answer your question. I'm, I'm not, I know what the system that we're currently in, the time or the, that we're currently in is a more pass-happy system. That's why the running backs don't have as make, big of a value. But once we get back to those days of the, those I running backs, those great days of the Dallas Cowboys, when they were winning their championships and all the power running teams, I think you'll see a, a sort of a revision, if you will, the contract status. Do you agree with me it's an oppressed position? It's not fair to them? I think there's a lot of positions that are oppressed. When you, when you think about the fact there's one position out there that's making big money, what position at? The quarterback, okay? Then you follow it up by edge rusher, uh, shutdown corner, uh, left tackle. But as you look at the tiers for the amount of money that's being paid for those positions, it's a big drop. It's not like we're talking the quarterback's making $35 million and then the left tackle's making $30 million. No, it's not like that. It, it, so you're talking about a big uh, sort of uh, drop-off between contracts and numbers that really, unless you're like the San Francisco 49ers who are playing Brock Purdy, damn near last of 
quarterback value worth and you're still getting all pro play, you can you can't afford to put your money elsewhere. There's only so much that you can do under the salary cap. All of my listeners and all of my viewers, if you see Lincoln Kennedy in town over the weekend having delicious deep dish pizza, say hello. Certainly. Congratulate him on all of his many accomplishments, including all of the sausage links he ate at Chelsea's <laughs> in Seattle to make the Wall of Fame. Um, you played on a college football national championship yeah. team at Washington. You're in the College Hall of Fame. What's it like to wake up on the morning uh, of a Super Bowl? I ask anybody who's ever played and won that question. Well, I was trying to make it a business as usual, but there were a number, and I'm not making any excuses. There were a number of tangibles that were against me. The fact that I was playing the Super Bowl in my hometown of San Diego, which had extra pressure on me getting up. I just, I really wanted to, 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 to win. Obviously, you wanted to win the Super Bowl. At that particular point in my career, I was considering retiring. I ended up playing another year after that Super Bowl year, and I, I ended up having a bunch of injuries and, and retiring after that. But, you know, to wake up on that morning to realize that it's Super Bowl Sunday, that you're on the biggest platform there is in sports, and it's one game, and you have to go out there and give your best. I mean, it was, it was a little overwhelming. It, it was extremely uh, tiring, uh, fatiguing, if you will. And, uh, and more importantly, I was just glad to have the experience. Even though we didn't win, had the experience to play in it. Last thing I want to ask you, as, as an offensive tackle, do you root for teams kind of where I'm going with this is the Detroit Lions in, in the north of the NFC are, are the class of the division. Do you root for teams that build at the line of scrimmage through the draft? I have to think that's a yes. And there are reasons. It's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely essential. I mean, look, if you don't have an offensive line, you're not going anywhere. I don't care what system you have in place. Your quarterback can only run around and imp improvise plays so many times. But if you don't have an offensive line, you have no 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 case. And then and then more importantly, when it comes to building through the the draft, yes, it's going to take some time. Uh, but it's probably well worth it if you're able to keep those guys together. The longer you're able to keep that offensive line together, the better they play. And you don't have to look any further than the team that you're talking about because Detroit is regarded as having one of the better offensive line. And it's about time. There's so many years that Detroit gone by that they didn't have an offensive line. They had playmakers everywhere else, but didn't have an offensive line. They didn't see, they couldn't see the forest between the trees. Now they're a good football team. Why? And just so happens they've got an offensive line. Yeah, they sure do. What a tortured fan base. This was fun. Lincoln Kennedy, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy your time in Chicago this weekend. My pleasure. Looking forward to the Windy City. Can't wait. Thanks for being with me on the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network, which is run so artfully and so crisply like nobody else. He is Baby Capone, Adam Delavitt, Sam Michael is my executive producer. Randy Merkin takes care of getting guests for us. And Lincoln Kennedy was a pleasure. If you haven't heard it or seen it yet, Jim McMahon was with me. That dropped on Wednesday evening. Check it out. We don't talk a ton of football, but we talk a ton of life. And his life has had some challenges in recent years. He uh, he struggles getting out of bed with foot and ankle issues. I think you'll find it interesting. And you can watch it, you know, wherever you're with us, Spotify, Apple. Thank you for being a part of it. But you can watch these now on YouTube. And it helps the growth of this podcast if you subscribe. So please subscribe on YouTube. Thank you. What's uh, got you most excited about Tyson Bagent this weekend? 
I actually have no idea what to expect, although my lean is it won't go well for a Division II quarterback who's going up against the defense that has kept the Raiders alive really this year. Three and three, as you heard Link say, uh, they haven't put points on the board. They're a minus 31 in points differential, yet they come to town even at three and three. Um, I have no way of, of project this. This is another stay away from game for me, for the bears, because I broke stride last week and I bet on the bears getting three. I got sucked in. And even if fields would have played in the second half, had the thumb injury not occurred, I don't think they would have won that football game. They just weren't going to put points on the board. They have lost, I don't know, every game they have played against an NFC North opponent during Matt Eberflus's tenure, they have lost. They haven't won a divisional game since the 25th of November in 2021. It's been that long. That was a 16-14 to 14 squeaker over the Lions. And it sounds like that would have been a Thanksgiving game thriller, doesn't it? 1125. I seem to remember the Bears having a Lions date on Thanksgiving a couple years ago. Too many of them, if you ask me. I'd rather they not play on a day that, you know, should be reserved in my world for being in the bosom of the home and uh, the warmth of the family, not for gnashing teeth over which Bears center can't do a shotgun snap or which which offensive coordinator pick one really in the history of the team that can't get it right. Luke Getze has done a crappy job with the football team this year. You wonder if he would have had that hell bent for leather approach right out of the shoot. Yeah. It would have been sloppy because they weren't together hardly at all in August, the first group offensively, but if they would have started the season against green Bay with the same, you know, swing from the from the floor type of mentality from a play calling standpoint, they might have gone differently this year. As it sits, they're one and five with the Raiders coming in. And if you're going to the game, have fun. No fighting. There's nothing that turns my stomach more when I, you know, peruse Twitter or Facebook and find video of fans beating the shit out of each other. Some guy in a Fields jersey taking an older dude, too, with a cheap shot on some younger fan in a Peyton jersey, and he knocked him down with one punch. It was kind of from a side angle. It looked like it was in the south end, the gate O section uh, of Soldier Field, where Bob Collins used to sing happy birthday to Michael McCaskey on Bears pregames on WGN Radio. Where am I going this weekend? I'm betting the Chiefs. You know, Chiefs fans have a lot of balls bitching about 11-point division wins as they did last Thursday night when they beat the Broncos. (laughs) They just toyed with the Broncos. They didn't have to, you know, get their pulse up over 100 to beat the Denver Broncos and Isaiah Pacheco touched the ball 22 times and they still covered a double digit number. They were 10 and a half. They went off at 10 and a half in my world here at bed rivers and they won by 11. 
They covered a double-digit number at home. Nobody got hurt, seriously, in the game. You got some players who hadn't made contributions. Kadarius Tony, how about that? Look at that. He can hang on to the hoochie. Chiefs fans. I like the Chiefs over the Vikings this week. Man, Minnesota. Minnesota did not want to win that game against the Bears, no matter how much the Bears wanted to hand it to them. The Bears had the football for 35 freaking minutes. The Vikings offense was two for 13 on third down. And the Bears didn't win. Tyson Bajant, you and your Division II background, good luck. I hope it goes well. I hope you enjoy your NFL weekend. I know I plan to do the same, and I look forward to having at least two tra- laps around the track with you, my listeners, and hopefully some more viewers soon on YouTube because I got lots of of show in my pocket when it comes to the greatest game ever in, in, invented, and I hope you'll you know, give me a pass, indulge me a little bit on the history of the Raiders with Lincoln Kennedy. I happen to be a huge fan of the old AFC West. I remember Kurt Gowdy doing Raiders Chiefs games. Yeah, that was the the early days of the AFC. Both of those teams, of course, were rivals when it was still the AFL. But uh, I started watching devoutly in 1972, 1973, and nothing has changed at any point since. So I'm glad you're with me for these football podcasts. And, of course, I'll keep my eye on the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard and everybody else on the roster, not just Bedard, too. want to make sure you're getting your Nick Felino fix from the Macker anytime I put the puck in play. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. I'm Dan McNeil. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.